All right, Proverbs chapter number 14. Proverbs chapter number 14, one verse. And uh, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, even though it's, it's kind of odd. Um, we'll talk a little bit about it. Proverbs chapter number 14, verse number 4. Here we go. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. This, everybody's like, oh, that's your favorite verse? Really? <laughs> that's one of them. One of them. This section of Proverbs uh, begins in chapter 10 to somewhere in chapter 22. It's really a pretty random collection of Proverbs that Solomon said. These are great little nuggets of truth, wisdom sayings, however you want to describe them there. Most stand on their own throughout these chapters. Some of them kind of paired. Some of them are kind of thematic for a little bit. But for the most part, it's pretty much just kind of randomly in there. I haven't, I've never seen anybody go in here and say, oh, yes, this is the theme of this chapter. It's very varied as you go through here and uh, it, it amazes me when you're reading these how much can be packed into just one little verse and uh, just one little proverb and, and even the same poetic techniques used in Psalms and uh, Job and Ecclesiastes and Lamentations, all the poetical books it just what can be thrown in and just the depth in just a few words, the pictures stir the imagination, the truths stir the mind, the, the principles stir our hearts, the applications stir our hands to action. And that's why these poetical sections of the, the Old Testament are so powerful. And by the way, I think it's very similar to the parables of Christ, the same type of effect they had, uh, the, the way that they affect the imagination and add such depth to truth. Uh, but the, the, the truth is here displayed through artistic description. And if you look at the preceding verses in chapter 14, uh, you can see a little bit about how just a very simple truth can be profoundly displayed. In verse 1, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. You basically say that the strength of a home is the character of, of the woman in it. Uh, but it's, it's just said so much more fun. In the other way. Verse 2, He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. You could sum that up and say, Your actions match your heart. In verse 3, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. I would say your words will come back to bite you. <laughs> It'd be a good way to, to sum that one up. Such powerful, simple truths expressed in, in very profound ways. Now verse 4. Y'all know me. I, I'm, I am one of the world's biggest geeks and nerds. Uh, I, I'm not outdoorsy or anything like that. But every now and then, I like to play that card that says, I was raised on a dairy farm. And I'm playing that card today, okay? Uh, so y'all are much, some of y'all are much more versed in this than I am. Bill's already looking down his nose at me over there. But I'm going to play that I was praised on a dairy farm card on this. And I think that's what draws me to this verse because I can understand the picture in a very personal way. And, and most of y'all, a lot of y'all will too. What I want to do this morning, I, I've kind of got three points, three observations, three ways to look at this verse because it's, it's a very interesting verse. There's, there's a few different ways you can look at it. 
and it's it's still true. It just kind of depends on what angle you go. And I'm going to introduce each with a story. And in my mind, I'm going to be visiting a dairy barn. So I'm going to try to take you along with that. But in my mind, that's what I'm doing. That's how I'm going to personalize it. I'm going to replace oxen with dairy cows. Okay, I'm not doing disservice, I hope, to the scriptures. But that's where my mind goes in this. Uh, so we're going to see how this goes here this morning. I may walk out here and say, boy, that's a that's one of the worst sermons. Y'all may like it. I don't know. It's going it's to be different, okay? So story number one. You're visiting a friend, and they take you on a tour of their dairy farm. You, you go over to the milk barn. The door opens, and everything inside is just spotless. I mean, the floor shines, all the equipment. You can see a reflection in it all. It is just, uh, there's nothing wrong. You could do surgery in that place. You walk over the, to the big milk tank. You know, all the milk gets pumped into. I mean, it's, 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 it's clean, but it's empty. You open up the lid and you holler inside and it echoes back at you. You walk over to the feed room. I always think of the feed room because that's where I used to play growing up. But you walk over to the feed room and it's empty. There's nothing in there. There's not a speck of dust. There's nothing there. It's just an empty space. You walk over kind of into the, 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 the milking room there, and you walk over because you get the cows in there, and, and at least the one I, we, we had growing up, you had a big trough up there with, with the feed so the cows would come in and stick their head in there, and you'd catch them with the little thing, and, uh, and you know, so you, but they'd sit there and eat feed while you're milking them. So you, I picture this long, you know, trough there like we used to have, and, you go over to the feed trough in this case, and it's so clean a fly wouldn't even land on it. It's, it's empty. There's just nothing there. And you turn and ask your friend, you say, well, I thought this was a milk barn. And they reply, well, well it is. Don't you see the milk tank, the feed room, the, the feed trough? There's all the equipment. It's all here. You say, but it doesn't look, look like it's been used. My friend says, well, that's how I like to keep it. If I let cows in here, it would get dirty. If, I'd have to, if I had to order feed, it'd get dusty in here. I'd have to clean the floor. I'd have to clean the milk tank. I'd have to keep it. I just want to keep it nice and clean. I don't even have cows because there's so much trouble. That's actually good advice there. But what is the point of having the milk barn in this case? There's not a cow to be milked. There's no feed to feed them. There's no milk being produced. I think this illustrates one application of our text. Do you want a clean crib? Then you don't need any oxen in there. But if you don't have any oxen, you can't go and use them to farm and to plow. You can't benefit from their strength. You can't harvest what didn't grow because you couldn't plant, because you didn't plow, because you had no oxen. Did you get that? That's a big long sentence. Let me put it in mathematical equation. Zero oxen equals zero increase plus zero work plus zero mess. That's the application of story number one. You will not prosper if you value ease. You will not prosper if you value ease. If you do not want to have the mess the oxen bring, you're not going to get the results of having the oxen. You're not going to get any milk if you want to have a pristine, clean milk barn because the cows cause a mess. You cannot make progress without having other issues. 
<laughs> driving by and we got all this new construction. But you ever notice how big the dumpsters are at a new construction site? You think, well, it's all brand new. There's no junk. But there's huge open-top dumpsters out there. Why? Because there's scraps and there's boxes and there's, you know, pieces of wire and boards and things. All this leftover stuff. They make a lot of mess to build a new house. I think this is sort of how it is in the Christian life. Making progress will cause issues. To grow in the Lord, it takes time. It takes effort. By the way, it may cost you. It may cost you friends. It may cost you some comforts in this life. But in the end, it's worth it for what you gain. That's how church is also, by the way. Making progress will cause issues. You want younger families in the church? You're going to have kids. There's going to be dirty diapers. There's going to be marks on the walls. There's going to be gum under the pews. Uh, there's going to be those kind of things. Some kid is going to spill their Dr. Pepper, probably one of mine, and, and, and you know, and make a mess. These things happen, but you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. I know of churches that have chosen to have a clean building rather than try to reach children. I've been at churches before, seen them, been, boy, they'll say, well, we don't want the kids in here. The kids will mess this up. Man, if I'm going to reach some kids, let them come in here. I'd rather get new pews and save some souls. I hope you would too. But you want to, by the way, also keep going on this same, want to proclaim the truth? Somebody's going to get offended. Everybody gets offended in this way. If you're offended because you're not offended. I mean, it's just crazy in this world today. But if you're going to take a stand for the Bible and take a stand for truth, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be some issues that go with that. But I just want to tell you folks, progress is worth the price. If you had a milk barn, it's worth putting up with those big old nasty smelly cows. It's worth putting the feed in. It's worth hosing down the, 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 the floor. It's worth it all because of what they produce. You've got to keep that in perspective. It's worth it all. All this other stuff, it doesn't matter. Look what we're getting. Look what we're gaining. Story number two, and this one, I'm going to get a little bit further away from Scripture on this one, if you'll forgive me. You're visiting a friend. They take you on tour of the dairy farm. They take you to the milk barn. The door opens up, and it's a complete mess. Looks like an episode of Hoarders in there. The door opens. It's just the smell hits you. You've been in one of those places before. You walk over to the milk tank. You kind of open it up, and whoo, it smells in there. Uh, it, it, it's rough. You, you walk over to the feed room, and you, you, as soon as you kind of open the door, you hear the rats scurrying, and it's just, it's, it's a mess. You walk over there to that feed trough, and it looks like a science experiment with what's growing in that caked-in dust all around that. Some of y'all, I tell the people who've grown up on dairy, they're nodding their heads. Y'all have seen this. <laughs> You turn to your friend and you say, well, I thought this was a milk barn. And they say, well, yes, it is. Don't you see the milk tank? Don't you see the feed room? Don't you see the feed trough? Don't you see all the equipment? And you say, well, it's so dirty, I don't even want to be in here. Your friend goes, oh, that's just the cost of doing business. I call that CODB, cost of doing business. Things get dirty, but I don't care. I'm still getting milk. I'm just in it for the profit. I, I don't care about the rest of it. 
I don't know about you, but if I was offered a glass of milk from that dairy, I'd pass. <laughs> a dairy like that won't last long. The health inspector, they'll come by, they'll shut it down. No one's going to buy that milk. Well, I know examples. <laughs> uh -oh, I'm not going to name names, but I think we're thinking of the same place, aren't we? Yeah. But nobody's going to buy their milk. The cows are going to get sick. They're going to die. The barn is going to cave in on itself because no one's maintaining it. Now, I'm branching off a bit from the text, I know. I'm kind of more reacting to my first point on this, but uh, this is the other extreme uh, opposite end of cleanliness. But this is exploiting the cows for gain, for neglecting to care for them or the equipment. By the way, I think it's just as foolish, this is just as foolish as a farmer that's so concerned with cleanliness that they don't even have cows. In this case, the utter disregard for care and maintenance will bring the same end. No milk production. Not caring and not maintaining equals short-lived progress. That's my application here for story number two. You will not proper, you will not prosper if you neglect what you have. You will not prosper if you neglect what you have. If you want to harvest, you gotta take care of your crib, you gotta take care of your oxen, you gotta take care of your barn. You know, I was thinking about this. Maintenance is a lost art today. There was a day when you, you took care of the things. You valued your possessions. If you, got, you bought a fridge, you kept it running. You bought a car, you tinker with it, and you kept it running. Uh, you've seen the commercials now. People don't even know how to change a windshield wiper and things like that anymore. So, so things we just kind of took for granted. Everybody knows how to change oil. Everybody knows how to do this. And people are calling, how do I, how do, I do this? It, it, we just we live in a disposable society. Some of that's because of the low quality of things, but it's also because people just don't want to work on things. They they don't want to tend to these. Your car broke, you say, oh, I'll just go buy a new one. This one's too much trouble. You change the oil in it. That's all you did. Well, it, it could have problems. I'm going to go get a new one. You, you're, you're, a teenager's cell phone breaks. What do they do? I need a new one. I, I, I take it up to Skinny's. We could get that fixed. You know, I, I need a new phone. Uh, that's just the society that we live in. If we're not careful, that same mentality creeps into our spiritual lives. Your marriage is broken? I'll just get a new one. You've seen that happen, haven't you? Well, the church is broken. Guess what? They all are. There's people in them. So you say, well, I'm just going to go get a new one. You know, one of the saddest sights... I see driving around, especially you kind of go off on back roads and things. I hate to see an empty old house. Because I see those and uh, from the little old farmhouses or, you know, sometimes even big nice houses, they just sit in there vacant. And, um, you drive by those things, and I, I can imagine that the, the joy that once filled those. I imagine a family in there. And I, I imagine the laughter and the life or... Uh, or even if it's like a new house nobody moved into. Sometimes that happens. And I think, oh boy, look at the joy, the anticipation they had. They were excited. They're picking out the colors and picking out the design and all this. I imagine all that going into it. But then that house sits vacant. And you know, it's amazing how quickly a house falls apart when no one lives in it. It's almost like the bricks and the boards realize they have no purpose and they just give up. Sadly, that's the state of many things around us. Because we just, we just don't care. We don't take care of the things. 
you know, there's many things in this life that are worth saving, that are worth maintaining, that are worth restoring. Not just talking about old houses, old cars, things like that, but our families, our friendships, our communities, our churches. Our very nation needs people to step up to the challenge of cleaning up the mess and fixing things. Story number three. You're visiting a friend. They take you to tour the milk barn. Or the, the dairy farm. They take you to the milk barn. The door opens. Inside, like, okay, it's clean. There's some water spots on the outside of the uh, milk tank where they hosed it down, you know, left some water spots on it. But, uh, you know, it's everything's in its place, but it's, it's, it's used, it's lived in, you know. You walk over to the, uh, to the milk tank, there's like those water spots, but you open up that lid, and, oh, there's that smell of that fresh milk that comes wafting out of there. Use big words, wafting out of there. You walk over to the feed room, you open up the door, and I mean, it's, it's dusty. I've never seen a clean feed room in my life. It gets messy in there, but you're like, okay, this is used. It's not nasty, but it, it's a feed room. You walk over to the feed trough. You know, there's there's some cow slobber marks on there. There's some uh, there's some little loose pellets that they didn't they, they didn't eat, but it's been used. You turn to your friend and you say, now this is a milk barn. This is something that's been used. It's been cared for, and you ask, is it hard to keep this up? And their reply would be, uh, you know, something along the lines of, I work hard to keep it running. I care for the cows. I clean up after them. I clean the equipment daily. I sweep and hose down the floor many times throughout the day. I know I don't get every speck of dust or cobweb every time I clean, but I do what matters and then some. It's a 24-7 job and I cannot let any of it slide. <laughs> you know what that is? That's a productive dairy farm. You know what you just met too? A good dairyman that will make a good living as long as milk prices stay high. That's the kind of man, that's the kind of approach that will pass down the family farm to the next generation and the next generation. I think this is the practical side of Proverbs 14.4 in action. There are cows and there are messes, but they're managed and there's progress. I think this is a great illustration of the victorious Christian life. It's hard to maintain. It's hard to keep up a good walk with God. It's hard to maintain the habits of prayer and Bible reading. It's hard to keep your mind straight, keep your focus on the right things. It's hard work to deal with the issues that come along. It's hard work to make progress. But it is worthwhile. Two observations. I'm going to kind of wrap this up here. I've got two observations from growing up on a dairy farm. Number one, there is no white like the white on a newborn baby calf. I'm convinced of that. That's the whitest white you'll ever see. Second, there is nothing sweeter or more refreshing than milk straight from the milk tank. I have strange taste buds and preferences. Y'all know that. Y'all have been around me. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got some weird things. I don't like apples. I love applesauce. It's just weird things like that, okay? One thing, though, I'm going to be honest. I, I cannot tell you the last time I drank a glass of milk. Um, 
We used to make sure our kids drink it. And I'm like, I'm going to go in the other room, okay? I like just about every other dairy product imaginable. Ice cream, oh, I'm down for ice cream. Butter, oh, pour the butter on it, man. We're, we're good. But uh, milk, I'm just, I'm just not. And, and I'm going to tell you, I think I know why. It's because I grew up drinking it straight from the tank. Before it was pasteurized, pasteurized, standardized, and homogeneized, and all those other eyes. By the way, can I get an amen? Those of you who know fresh milk is just better. I believe I lost my taste for milk because I was spoiled on the good stuff. But there's also a deeper lesson than that. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get philosophical for a moment. What just that it was good. I'm gonna tell you the other part of why it was good. It's because I had an investment in it. It's a lot sweeter when you've got steak in it. Even though we sold out, I guess I was in sixth grade or so, but I, I looked back and um, Dad's mom said, "Hey, go get the cows up." All you had to do is wait five minutes, and they were getting themselves up. They were ready to be milked. But I remember going out there with my dog George. And we go, and all we had to do, as soon as we walk out the gate, cows know, okay, it's time to get milk. And they just go wandering up there. But we'd go out there and get the cows in the lot, get them ready. Uh, another one of the things I, I did is I helped feed the babies, get the babies their bottles, and go hang them, and, uh, hang them in the little racks, and let them drink their bottles, and beat the other ones off that drank too fast, and try to steal the other ones. And then you get the ones that were real fun, the little ones didn't really know, and you have to get them between your legs and try to feed them that bottle and all that kind of stuff. All the joys of growing up on a dairy farm. When I got a little bit older, they were crazy. They let me drive the tractor and go out and put out hay. I actually pulled the post out of the barn doing that. Yes, Dad, Dad, Dad can tell you all about that. Um, but I, I'd, uh, I caught it on the back wheel of the, of the trailer. And, uh, but anyway, I'd, I'd go out there and, and do that. But I, I had a part. I had an investment in what was going on. When you invest in it, when you maintain it, when you clean up the messes, how good is it to enjoy the fruits of your labor? Now, three quick things to conclude here. I want to ask first, what are you longing for? What are you longing for? In the examples I, I kind of made up here and, and talked about, the one guy, he'd rather have it nice and pretty and easy but you're not making any progress. So you had another person who just wanted progress at the cost that the progress would cease. And then you had the person who was doing their best that for the long-term progress. It was taking care of things. What are we longing for? So many people just want that easy life. I don't want to mess with anything. I don't want any trouble. Guess what? Life equals trouble. <laughs> That's just how it works. But what do we want? If what we, if what we want is to get closer to God, if what we want is our church to grow and reach the community, if what we want is to, to help teach and train people, the next generation around us, you know what? It's not going to be easy. But it's worth it. But it's worth it. Second, I'll say, are you willing to deal with the side issues for the progress to be made? I'm so very thankful, honestly, I'm not picking on anybody in our church at all because um, nobody's, we had a good time at Vacation Bible School. We made a mess. And I didn't hear anybody say anything. Nobody complained about the kids being in here. Nobody complained about it. Um, 
I was throwing cereal up here and all kinds of stuff. We we had fun uh, up here playing games and doing crafts and, and nobody saying because y'all get it, y'all get it. If you want to have the kids in here, it's going to make a mess, but it's worth it. But it's worth it. We have to be willing for what we want to gain to deal with the side issues. Got to clean them up. If you're going to have cows in the barn, you're going to have to clean up after them. If you're going to have oxen, you're going to have to clean up after them. And third, as musicians come, I want to ask, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? That was our theme verse for our Bible school. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Psalm 34, 8. As I was talking about that, I kind of added in that last part about tasting that milk because I was thinking about it. I kept thinking about that milk tank and I could just smell it. I could just see it. That milk inside that, that big old tank. and uh, My mind, my memories got to going on that. And I got to thinking, well, some people just don't know how good it is to go get a big old glass of that milk. We we had an orange Tupperware pitcher that we would go down, and y'all probably had one, too. everybody had those Tupperware pitchers, but we'd go down there and just scoop it up, put the lid on it, and it was like we, we'd go back and be at the house, and like, hey, we're out of milk. Somebody go over to the milk barn and just go down there and scoop it up. And uh, this is, you know, That was our errands. You know, Some of y'all grew up fetching water. I, I grew up fetching milk like that. So, <laughs> um, but that tasting and seeing, I hope that you know how good it is to serve God, to love Him. I hope you know how sweet it is to know His forgiveness, His salvation. If not, I would implore you, as the psalmist said, taste and see. Just You, you can't explain it. I can describe it, but until you know how good it is to be a child of God, you have to taste and see. I hope you know, and I hope you can tell others the same thing that they need to taste and see how good it is to be a child of God. I have time for the invitation now. What number there, Owen? 139. 139, the Heavenly Highways. If you'll stand, we'll have a short time of invitation here this morning. Different kind of message than I typically preach. I've had a lot of fun preaching it. I hope that uh, hope the Lord spoke to you through some of the stuff we covered here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as my mind goes back to memories and reminiscing on growing up, and Lord, I know that that's a lot of the appeal to this verse to me is, is it just brings back so many memories. But Lord, the, there is such great and profound truth in this that if we want to move forward, if we want to do things in our life, it's going to take effort, and it's going to we're going to have to take care of things that aren't necessarily putting us ahead or, or, or creating progress in our lives. The Lord, we have to do these things for the sake of the long-term goal, for the sake of where we want to be. Lord, just a simple challenge in our lives. Keep our eyes on the prize, on where we're going, on where we're headed, of where you're leading us as individuals, as a church. And Lord, so many things even said, we could, we could apply this to business, we could apply this to our government. But just to keep us focused on things and keep these little side issues in perspective. And Lord, we can deal with things, we can deal with the problems as they come along. 
But let's just praise You for the good things, for the harvest that we can have. We just put in the work and the maintenance and the care of the oxen. We know that the crib won't be clean. Thank You so much for this simple truth, Lord. And and, uh, I hope it's impressed on others as it has in my heart. Speak to us now in this invitation time, I pray in Thy holy name. Amen.